here today. Uh, make sure today, if you're a visitor, make sure you see one of us on the way out the door. We want to get a visitor card for you today. Just make sure that uh, that we know we had a record of you. We're not going to like phone call you and like bug you or anything. We're not going to telemarketer here. We're not going to do any of that. So we're just thankful that you're with us today. Uh, today's sort of a, a little bit of a strange day. So a few announcements and by a few, I got like a whole book. So y'all just hold on. All right. We're going to skip a couple of them probably maybe. <laughs> First off, here's what we want to do today. Uh, Veterans Day is this week, so at this time, if you've ever served in any capacity as a veteran, uh, we, would you stand for us? We'd love to recognize you. Have all our veterans stand this morning. Oh, we got a few this morning. Y'all give them a round of applause. Amen. We appreciate y'all's service and uh, grateful for your dedication to serve this country. And grateful that we still live in a free country today. And uh, praise God for it. The Lord has been good to us. A um, couple things. We... We're going to have choir practice tonight because we've got a Christmas cantata, but this goes off with this too. Miss Joanne is sick today, so we're not going to have her with us, so we're going to postpone our choir practice till next week, and so if you're thinking about singing um, or not sure if you can sing, that's fine. You can join us anyways, all right? You don't have to be a professional singer to sing in our choir. All you got to be able to do is make a noise, and, and, and if it's joyful, we'll take that too, all right? All right, a couple other things. Um, have a note here. Miss Shirley Hill's family is wanting to invite all y'all to her birthday party. Uh, Miss Shirley Hill's turning 90, and her family's throwing her a shindig. And it's going to be, uh, I think, here in the, the Fellowship Hall next Saturday at 12 p.m. And Miss Shirley said no gifts, all right? Is that right? Oh, two to five. I just can't read. Two to five. I got it. So show, if you show up at 12, it's too early. If you show up at two, you're right on time, all right? And so that's next week. And you don't even have to show up with a gift, all right? All right. Uh, today, we do have a, a special thing. Oh, here, let me do this one too. Good. Night in the morning. Next Sunday, we want to make sure we announce this. We have it on Facebook, but next Sunday, we're having baptisms, all right? Right now, I've got one scheduled, so we're going to dunk him at least a couple times. Uh, <laughs> if you got anyone else or if you need to be baptized, come see me, all right? We got room for you. The water will be plenty wet for you, all right? We, we got it. Uh, so we'd love to get you dunked. But come out next Sunday. Make sure you make it a point. We want to support those who will be getting baptized and making that dedication before, before folks. Um, then as well, today we've got the Seniors Ministry Lunch right after church. Uh, they're having barbecue, baked beans, coleslaw, rolls, desserts. Takeout is available, and the donations are going towards our upcoming ARC Museum trip. Uh, Saturday the 12th, um, that's next weekend, the ladies are going shopping, uh, meet at the church at 7.30 and sign up in the back. Um, Thursday the 17th, the ladies are also doing holiday baskets for the shut-ins, they're putting them together, um, they're doing, bring some side salads and they're having homemade soups, something or another like that, and so they'll put together some baskets and deliver them on December the 3rd at 11, so there's a lot of lady stuff happening, so if you've got questions about lady stuff, I want you to do me a favor. Either one, see your bulletin, and then two, if it's not in your bulletin, see Llewellyn. And if you don't find Llewellyn, I'll get you a bulletin. All right? Sound good? All right. Then Tuesday, November 22nd, that's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. That will be our midweek service, and that evening will just be an evening, uh, relaxing time. We'll have some singing. We'll have some time of fellowship and some time of testimony, so I encourage you to come out for that. And then as well, we've got our Christmas shoe boxes up here. Thank you guys for bringing some in. We've got some more out back that need filling in, uh, filling up. 
and then they need to be here and filled up and ready to go by November 27th, all right? And that is firm. If uh, we don't have one on the 27th, they got to wait till next Christmas, all right? Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Sounds good. All right, anybody else? All right, y'all. Well, let's pray and uh, let's worship the Lord today. Like I said, we don't have Miss Joanne, so we want to remember her. We've got several families today. Uh, are, they've all called in sick, and so they took a sick day. But we've got a lot of folks with bugs and things going around, a lot of viruses and things. So everybody, uh, wash your hands. Don't lick each other. Don't lick shopping buggies. All right, and, and you're going to do just fine. All right, uh, but keep, keep those folks in prayer. Let's pray. And then uh, we're going to come and we're going to worship the Lord today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather, we can hear your word preached, we can come today freely. And we thank you for our veterans, Lord, many who have, who have fought and who have been willing to sacrifice so that we can still have the freedoms that we have today. We thank you for that. God, we've got many different things happening in our own lives and in the life of this church. We want to thank you for that. But Lord, help the busyness to not uh, get in the way of your glory or your honor or, or the things that matter most uh, of preaching the gospel and winning souls and, and drawing closer together and closer to you. Father, I pray that this morning that you would rid us of all distractions, and God, that we would be able to, to focus upon you, and Lord, that as we lift up our voices, that we would lift up our hearts as well, that we would be sincere and genuine in our worship, and God, that we would seek to please you, and Lord, that today, and that everything would be said and done, spoken, preached, and God, in all of our fellowship today, Lord, that you would get the glory, and we just thank you for this time, and we give this hour to you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you are able, please stand. We'll begin our singing part of the service and worship. Glorify thy name is our first song, hymn number nine. Revelations 15, 4 tells us, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. Amen. Glorify thy name. And we got to do this without music, so i got to get in tune here just a minute, so y'all hang on. <laughs> got to make sure we get started on the right note. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name in all the Bye. 
Savior's name. Psalm 56.13 tells us, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? It is well with my soul. Hymn number 705. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river Attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well And 
and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and his death and burial and resurrection. The gospel, that's all that gives us the right to say it is well. Praise the Lord for that song. And what a blessing, encouragement, uplifting it is and edifying to our Lord Jesus Christ. Our next song, if you're able, please remain standing. Uh, Revelation 7:14 tells us, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's talking about the saints of God washed in the blood of the Lamb. And our song is, Are You Washed in the Blood? Hymn number 330. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood and the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood and the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. All right, it's our greeting time now. So remain standing, shake some hands, exchange smiles exchange hellos and hugs if appropriate and handshakes if appropriate. Good game. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hello, Josiah. How are you? Good. Okay, look like everybody's smiled and said hello and welcomed everybody. And uh, we'll make our way back to our seats. We have some special music now by Miss Ann Stone. So, Ann, you come on for the glory of God. Sing, sing your heart out. Touch the 
saying that was beautiful with the music and without praise the lord that was good thank you for that well this time we're gonna do something a little different um how many of y'all know brother brett if you're from carroll county or hillsville you might have seen him and if you've seen him you know him and if you know him you love him all right but brother brett asked to come uh and and to give a short testimony and to sing a song for us today bro you come on up all right y'all make him welcome First, I want to get the testimony before I sing the song. Before, prior, before the resurrection and stuff, I, I have felt like that I haven't been living my full potential to the to the Lord and stuff. And and that night, January twenty fifth, twenty twenty, I gave my life to God and. And ever since then, I've started small things, witnessing the people, and then it became being evangelist on Facebook Lives. And then, and then now I'm going to Camp Dickinson and reach, reaching a lot of kids. And, and I tell you, life, life ain't easy. It ain't easy being out there in the real world. And... And some people think it is, but when you come out there on the other side of it without the Lord, it's definitely not easy to to live in that real world. But COVID came along and stuff like that, but the Lord has protected me and my family through, through the severeness of that. And very thankful for good help for all of us that the Lord has blessed us with everything we have and everything we have built. Now let's bring out the song. Amen. 
must ever be found Couldn't even come up from this ground at all You make beautiful things You make beautiful things out of dust you make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. Thank you. 
give a let's give one more word about that song. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter no matter the sins that's being committed, once you give your life to Christ, He makes you new. He makes you a whole lot different. He makes He makes you feel love like no other. Makes you love others like no other. And and I just want to say Amen to that. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that's a blessing to me. Amen. And Ann's song was too. What a beautiful song. And I'll tell you one thing. You know your song when you run out of music and you can still finish it. So uh, kudos for you, Miss Ann, and glory to God. Amen. All right. Well, I want you to please bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. This is another day you've given us, Lord, and we're glad. We don't deserve it, but by your mercy you give it to us, and we praise you for it. Lord, thank you for the opportunity and the blessing to be in uh, this uh, assembly here today, Lord, in your name, for your honor and for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that's been sung, for the testimony given, and Lord, for the uh, opportunity to see faces in Christ and have fellowship in Christ. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just bless the fellowship as you already have. Continue to do that. And we pray, Lord, you bless our pastor as he brings the message and give him strength and power and liberty, clearness of thought and speech, and help him to deliver. Lord, your message for your people here today. And may hearts be challenged, be changed, and Lord, uh, drawn closer to you through the, through the foolishness of preaching, Lord, that we can grow and learn and, and be challenged from your word here today. Lord, we just uh, want to tell you we love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray if there be a soul in our midst today, Lord, today would be the day of salvation for that soul. And we pray, Lord, where there's conviction needed, we pray, Lord, you convict us through the preaching of your word and in the power of your word. And where there's encouragement needed, we ask, Lord, you do that through your word here today and through the preaching. In Jesus' name we pray and ask all things. Amen. <clears throat> okay, we have one more song. Uh, Behold our God. Behold our God. What a great song. Revelation 4, 2 tells us, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And we know who that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. Behold our God. <clears throat> Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God. Seated on his throne, come let us. 
us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his word? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Him. Who has felt the nails upon His hands, bearing all the guilt of sinful man? God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare, come let us adore him. You Give our pastor now a big hand. As he comes, to, comes to preach, Pastor Joe. What a wonderful day of worship it's been so far. I hope it's been a blessing to you, amen? And I'm grateful for the songs sung, grateful for the testimony given, and all of it points back to what we've just sung about, is that there's a God in heaven who rules and reigns, and in all of His holiness and in all of His glory, and all of His love for His mankind, of which He created in His image and His likeness, who had fallen into sin, He sent His Son, His only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. And He sent Him to die in Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God put on flesh. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He died a death with three nails, two pieces of wood on that old rugged cross for you and me to make us new. We serve a God who has come to us because we cannot get to Him in all of His holiness and all of our unholiness. Today, if you don't hear anything else I've got to say for the next however long I've got to say it, I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ alone can save your soul. You must trust in Him alone for your salvation. Without Christ, 
There is no hope of heaven. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no making you new. There is no blessing. There is no blessed hope. There is no blessed assurance. There is none of those things without Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ today? Can you sing with us as we've sung earlier? It is well and to behold your God today. If you have never thought about who God is, if you never really had this sort of right thinking biblically about who God is today, I hope and pray that He would reveal Himself to you, that you would know Christ before it's eternally too late. And for those of you who are saved today, that you might just get with the Lord, that you might behold Him afresh and anew today, that you might see how good and gracious He has been to you, that He has pardoned you of all iniquity and sin, that He has given you new life, both now and later, that He has given you everything that you need today to live for Him and for His honor and for His glory. Y'all got an extra hour of sleep, I get an extra hour to preach. That's how that works, right? (laughs) Colossians chapter number 3 this morning. Colossians chapter number 3. We've been looking at the risen life. And and we come to this beautiful truth last week where we saw verses 3 and 4 that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ and God. And it didn't much gets gooder than that, but it got gooder and gooder. And here we are today. We're going to see now some imperatives to get into about how we are now to live the Christian life and some things that we need to address and deal with. I want to read for us today just for sake of context and to help us out today, verses 1 through 5. If ye then be risen with Christ, as we've talked about, this is an indicative. This is because you are risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Notice we had the indicative, and then we had two imperatives. We can't do the imperatives without the indicative. We can't obey God unless we know who we are and what we possess in Christ. If you are saved today, you are more rich than you could ever possibly imagine. You have more both now and eternity than you could ever possibly attain or fathom. We are dead, buried, and risen with Christ Right now, this very moment, that is who we are. That is our position in Christ. Without having that position in Jesus, without being risen, you will never be able to live the Christian life. You can live church. You can live morality. You can try to be a good person. You can try to stay away from some bad sins and still go straight to a real hell. We need to know who we are in Christ. And that gives us the power to live the Christian life today. We're not searching for victory. We have victory. We're not searching for the way. We have the way. We're not searching for trying to live a better life, for trying to attain a position in Christ. We have a position in Christ. Therefore, we can live it out. Now look at this. Verses 3 and 4. We talked about this last week. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Amen and hallelujah. What an indicative statement those two verses are that you are dead, but yet you are uh, alive, hidden with Christ in God, safe and secure, held fast by the very hands that were outstretched to bleed and to die and to pay for your sins. And that now He holds you fast, He holds you close, and there is nothing and no one that could ever separate you, including your own sinfulness, including your own waywardness, including your own coldness at times in the Christian walk. But now, because of who we are and all that we possess in Christ, here's verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Let us pray. 
Lord God, we want to thank You for this morning. God, I thank You that You would save sinners, that You would save someone like me. God, that You would allow me to be, even just in this place, let alone to preach Your Word, to be able to be in this moment where You have met with Your people, where we could worship You in spirit and in truth, and to know that You have met with us. Lord, what a blessing it is. How privileged we are. May we never take moments and days and services like this for granted. May we see Christ today, God. Reveal Yourself to us today through Your Word, through the preaching of it. And God, that the Spirit of God, Your Holy Spirit, would apply it and apply the truths to every heart, that it would open up eyes that are blind, that it would open up ears that are stopped, that it would open up hearts that are cold and weary. And God, that we might know Christ today. Lord, we love You and we thank You for this time. I pray that You would rid us of all distractions. God, that You would preach Your Word and that it would not be me. And Lord, that You would fill me and guard my heart, my mind, and my tongue today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Your relationship with sin and the Savior is an eternal matter of life and death. I want you to know, church is not so much life and death, right? Church is church. But you know something I want you to know? There are some things about this. The reason why we come here is because we have a position in Christ. The reason why you should be coming here today is because you know Christ. You want to gather. You want to worship the Lord. You want to gather with His saints. It is not only commanded, but it is for the benefit and the blessing of God's people. And as we see here, though, you go, well, if I miss a Sunday, it's not life or death. If I miss a Bible, says it's not life or death. Sure, you're not going to die, but I'll tell you this. Sin and your relationship with it, and the relationship that you have, how close you are to sin, and how close you are to your Savior, is a matter of life and death. Both on the battlefield of war and spiritual warfare, you must either kill your enemy or be killed by your enemy. If you think that sin is willing to play games with you or to take it easy on you, then you don't understand sin, nor do you understand your sinful flesh and your sinful nature. We've got to understand that there is a very real war, a very real battle for your soul. First and foremost today, if you are lost today, I want you to know you were born that way. You were born dead in your sense of trespasses, separated from God. You were, as God says, at enmity with God, that you were an enemy. You were against Him. Even as religious and as good and as kind and as moral as you might think you be, the Bible still says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seek after God. No, but they are all gone their wicked ways. And that is exactly what sin has caused us to do. But Christ is the answer to sin. Christ can save you, repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and you shall be saved. But then Christ gives us the ability to now live and freely obey Him. To, to freely live for Him. In the moment that we are saved, we are thrust into a warfare where now the enemy might not be able to steal your soul. He might not be able to steal your position in Christ, but he can steal your practice. He cannot steal your union in Christ and with Christ, but he will certainly try to steal your communion with Him. Sin will lead you astray, dear believer. Today, if you go, well, I'm trying to address sin, I'm trying to live sinless, well, yeah, welcome to the club, the rest of us are as well. But I want you to know this, while we might not be sinless in this flesh, one day, this, uh, this mortality is going to put on immortality, this, uh, this corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. I'm longing and looking forward to the day that Christ returns, that I will never fail God again, that I will never fail my Savior again, that one day I can see Him face to face, the one that loved me. Now, we have to understand about this war. Uh, Galatians, there's several passages that talk about this sort of war between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 tell us this. This I say then, walk 
in the Spirit. That's capital S. What does that mean? It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that if you are saved and you are in Christ, that now Christ, His Spirit, is in you. That you have now become the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. That you have the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, because it's the third person of the Trinity. He's not a thing or an it. He is God, and He indwells you. You are now His temple of where He uh, is uh, to belong, to commune, to fellowship with you, to teach you, to reveal Himself to you, to show you His Word, to bring about conviction when you sin, to draw you back to Christ. That is what the, uh, the, who the Holy Spirit is and what He does for us. And it says, And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is that? That's sinfulness. That's the fleshly life. That's the old life. That's the old nature, not your new nature. As Brother uh, Brett testified earlier Christ is very much has made us a new creation and creature in Christ Jesus but day by day this act of sanctification is Christ in us and through us and for us making us new making us uh, daily to, to look more and more like Christ as we are meant to now as we look here you see in verse 17 for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh they're against each other your flesh will never lead you to Christ. Your flesh will never lead you to church. Your flesh will never lead you to God. Your flesh will never lead you to witness. Your flesh will never lead you to give more. Your flesh will never lead you to worship. But the Spirit within you will do just that. That is who the Spirit is. That is what He does. And these two war against one another. It says, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Meaning this, the Spirit, flesh is always trying to get us to do the opposite of what the spirit would have us to do and the spirit is getting us constantly to live away from the flesh because that flesh is to be dead that we are crucified with christ as we see as well in colossians chapter 2 that he's nailed it to the cross uh, these handwriting of ordinances that was against us first uh, john chapter 2 tells us this about our enemy and our warfare i'll read it for you i'm going quick today first john chapter 2 verse uh, number 16 and 17 as well for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That is the key to you and me having victory over our sin is knowing this, that Christ has already given us the victory over our sin, but now abiding in Him so that sin would no longer have that power over us. Christ has saved us when we were uh, born again from the penalty of sin once and for all, but now Christ in us, the hope of glory, as Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 tells us this, uh, uh, the riches of His glory uh, and all of these things, now this is to save us from the power of sin. The presence of sin is very much here. I want you to know, as long as you've got on this flesh, there will be sin creeping in. There will be sin uh, keeping you away from the Spirit, away from the Word of God, away from fellow believers. Uh, the flesh will always try to keep you from following Christ and being in communion with Him. Because the flesh cannot separate you from your union with Christ, but it can keep you from having communion and fellowship with Him. We will be as holy as we desire to be. We will be as sinful as we desire to be as well. It will be your choice in choosing. Ravenhill writes, there are only two kinds of persons, those dead in sin and those dead to sin. Today, which one are you? Are you still yet dead in your sins and trespasses and need to be reborn and need to be born again of God? Or are you dead to sin? 
If you are saved today, you have already been uh, seeing this in the past few verses in, in Colossians 1, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that we are risen with Christ. How about this? A whole chapter of Romans chapter 6, that we are dead, buried, and risen with Christ. That is who we are now. Nevertheless, we still have to deal with our sin. You see, because of our position and our possessions in Christ, we now have the practical power to daily put sin to death in our life. Though we have been uh, crucified with Christ, you and I must be crucified daily in this sense. We must put this old flesh to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. As we've talked about the indicatives of verses 3 and 4, allow us to then mortify. Because I am risen with Christ. Because I am dead in Christ. Because I am uh, hidden. My life is hidden with Christ and God. And He's coming back and I shall appear with Him because of those things. Now I can mortify the members which are upon the earth. This old flesh. Though our union is secure, our communion must be sought daily through killing sin. Though Christ has died and been crucified once for us, you and I must live at that cross daily. Wake up, die to self. Wake up, die to self. Look at who you are in Christ. The closer you live to the cross, the further you will live from your sin. And when sin does come, if you are near the cross, it's a whole lot easier to slap it on there. We need to kill sin. Sin must be deliberately and destructively dealt with in our life. And I'm afraid that many of us, myself included at times, are so busy trying to pick up the pieces of our sin or trying to be so sinless that we even sin more and with all these things we're trying to figure it out or we're trying to do this. Well, I'm not sinning the big sin, so that's not so bad. Or we go, well, you know, I, I'm not doing some of these sins, but I've got a few of these and I'm, you know, I, oh, I'm working on it, right? We like the little sayings from Hobby Lobby and stuff, I'm a work in progress and too blessed and all these things, right? All this stuff trying to make us feel good about ourselves. I want you to know, the fact that sin still is fighting you right now in this very moment, even right now as I'm preaching, it should bring you to the place where you hate sin. God hates sin. You say, preacher, God doesn't hate. Oh, he gives a whole list of things he hates. And every one of them is sin. God hates sin so much that he crushed his own son so that you could be saved. You want to talk about the love of God, look to the cross. But if you want to talk about the hatred of God, look to the cross as well. He did not hate His own Son, but rather He hated sin and placed the hatred and the wrath of sin itself upon Christ, His beloved Son, so that you would not have to face that. And I'm the one that deserves it. I'm the one that earned all that. said, Jesus took my place. Let's look at this today. First of all, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. This is going to be our passage. That's going to be our key today. That's it. We need to be dealing deliberately with our sin. We have certain things in our life that we make priorities. And if it's a priority in our life, we're going to deal with it, right? Some things we go, hey, I've got to move this up to the top priority. You know, you think about this. Um, wife tells you, hey, would you mind taking out the trash? Sure, honey, absolutely, I'll take out the trash. And then you don't take out the trash. But you know when it becomes a priority? When she says it like, I don't know, for the 37th time and it's starting to stink and you walk by it, right? Or the dog's getting in it and then you go, 
You know, I should probably take up trash, right? This is not me. This is some of y'all other heathen husbands out there. Y'all all right this morning? Now think about this. We make things a priority when we know, oh, this is getting bad. It's starting to stink. I want you to know, the very little bit of gossip that you don't think is so bad in the corner of a church and murder or the hatred or the bitterness that you have in your heart, that is just as wicked, just as vile as anything else you can possibly imagine. You are, it, it is sinful and we should absolutely hate it, abhor it. We should not want any bit of it to be in our midst. Y'all, Thanksgiving's coming up. How about this? Every one of you have probably got that one dish that you're going to be invited to, to make, and some of you probably got dishes you're not asked to make because it's just not that good. That's all right. You've got to have that dish you're good at. And when you make it, I can tell you this, you're going to make it the best that you can to taste the best that you can, and you know what you're going to leave out of it? Poison. Why? Because if you're going over to somebody's house for Thanksgiving, you probably don't want them dead, do you? I want you to know that God wants your sin dead, and so should you. You are dead to sin. It no longer is your master. It no longer should have power or control over you. And you should hate and deal with sin the way that God does. And God dealt very deliberately with sin. The cross was no afterthought, but it was the peak point of all of human history of which God looked forward to that the price would be paid. He dealt deliberately with it. Therefore, because we are risen and hidden with Christ and God, we must now deal with our indwelling sin. And if you don't deal with that indwelling sin, it will deal with you. And it will not be good, my friends. You think, well, I'm saved. And I love a song that, that Miss Cammie sings. It's under the blood. I, I love that song, right? It's under the blood. Praise His dear name. I'm not what I used to be, right? My life's been changed. The whole thing. I might sing up here this morning. <laughs> Y'all don't want that. It's under the blood. And we get excited about those songs. Why? Because all oh, the price has been paid. But I want you to know, just because you have been freed from sin does not mean that you've been freed to sin. As a matter of fact, The Apostle Paul dealt with that in Romans 6. He says, God forbid that you use His grace to excuse your sinfulness. We need a real cleansing of sin in our pulpits, in this preacher this morning, in every single pew, in every single heart, in this church. If we desire to be a church that lifts up Christ and and sees His glory and declares His glory and, and sees an impact and a difference made in this community, If you want to be a better husband, get rid of that sin. You want to be a better wife, kill that sin. You want to be a better son, a better daughter, a better this, a better that. That's fine and well. The only step, and here's your three easy steps. Kill sin, kill sin, and kill sin. And then you'll find life. Kill or be killed. Possessing Christ gives us the power from Christ over sin. In Colossians 3, verses 5-15, to I'm not going to read it for sake of time today. We're going to get through it as we're working through this passage. It gives 11 sins that by the power of the Spirit of God and the grace of God that need to be put to death, or as he's going to later put it, put off. And then he gives 10 positive virtues to then be put on. How many of y'all dressed yourselves this morning? All right, there we go. What does that mean? At some point in time, either you went in and either your wife laid out some clothes or you picked out some clothes and you said, I'm going to wear this. So I'm going to take this off and put this on. What does that mean? It was a choice. You will either be killing sin or it will be killing you. But notice this as well, though. God does not leave you helpless in the fight against sin. The act of killing sin is both 
the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man. But here's a hint. God always does his part. The reason why sin is not crushed in your life is not because God is not helping you kill sin. It's because you're not helping you kill sin. God has given us sovereignly everything that we need to kill sin. You want a sword to stab it to death? Here it is. You want a spirit to convict you? Right there. You want the resources of conviction, of joy, of help, of comfort. You've got the cross. You've got the spirit within. You've got the word of God. You've got the armor of God. What more do you want? Name me another excuse as to why you can allow sin and I can allow sin in my life and be okay with it. We've got none, do we? No, God has given us everything to kill and to crush sin. God sovereignly gives the resources to us to kill sin, but we must faithfully respond by obedient faith to make sure that it is killed on the spot. If you had someone in your house that is trying to kill you, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill them. Or I'm going to die trying. Amen? Men, if you can't do that, yee. Do you understand that sin in your flesh right now is trying to kill you? Do you realize that the gossip, the bitterness, the hatred, the hurts, that everything that you've gotten allowed in your life that is sinful, the cursing, the whatever else you might want to be, the big things and the small things, that they are actively in your home trying to murder you and those around you and to cut you off from God. What will you do about it? Kill or be killed. The word mortify here is necrao. It is where we get uh, this idea of uh, necromancy is also the idea with necro. It is the same root for death, something that is dead. It is to be put to death, to slay utterly, and to kill. Let me ask you, should you deal gently with your sins? Are they just happy little mistakes? No. They are an offense to a holy God. They are an offense to the Spirit of God within you, the presence of God within you. They are out to kill you. You see, this idea of mortify is not merely to just kill, but it is to deprive of its power and to destroy its strength. If you want to kill a tree, do you pluck a few leaves off or do you dig it up by its roots? You dig it up. If it sprouts again, what do you do? You dig it up some more. Killing sin is not merely trimming the tree. It is cutting it down, pulling up the roots, putting it in a shredder, putting a burn barrel over top of that thing. Kill sin in your life or the sin in your life will kill you. We must not play with sin or box with sin. This is not a boxing match. This is a death match. Now this is in the aorist tense. And it means to do effectively producing a definite result. I want the sin in my life killed. There it is. It is in the active voice. It means you must actively decide to do it or not. So God has given you every tool to kill sin in your life. And you can either go, Lord, I'm just struggling with sin. I just don't get it. Why won't you help me? How many of us pray prayers like that sometimes? I've done it. God's not looking for that. He has given you everything that you need. Oh, there we go. He's given you everything that you need to kill sin. 
Will you kill it or not? Killing sin is the will of God. But we will only kill sin in our life when our will aligns with His. And the reason why you and I don't kill sin in our life the way that we ought to is because you don't kill something that you love. The reason why we don't kill that sin is because we love that sin far too much. And we love that sin far too much because we love ourselves far too much. And the fact that we won't kill sin is because we have made ourselves, our comfort, our pleasure, our own thoughts, opinions, ideas, an idol. The very cause of sin itself is idolatry. You talk about sins being immorality. Well, before you get immorality, you've got idolatry. The two go hand in hand, certainly, but the one builds upon the other. But, notice this. We are encouraged by God and enabled by God to kill sin because of our position, risen and hidden with Christ, dead and risen and, and, and hidden with Christ in God because of our position. And all that we have in Him. Turn back just a couple pages to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter number 2, verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That idea of salvation there is not just a, this to be born again. This is the idea of your sanctifying your sanctifying process of your salvation. This is your current, right? This is now not just the Christ for us, but now the Christ in us. And, and are you working it out with fear and trembling? Does it make you shudder that you sin against the holy God still? Does it make you quake knowing that you willfully obey sin, your old master, that you willfully obey your flesh and you disobey God who bought you with a price. He says in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you. Who's working in you? God. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. What is His will in your life? To kill sin. What is His pleasure? To kill sin. He has given you all of these things in your life to kill sin. We are far too enamored by it. We are not nearly enamored enough with Christ and we are much more enamored with our sin. The second thing we need to see, and today if it helps you any, it's only two points today. <laughs> not only do we need to deal deliberately with sin, but we need to deal destructively. We must not merely try to punch sin in the nose, we need to rip its head off. You say, that sounds violent. I hope so, because sin is violent. Sin itself is violence against the throne of God. Sin in your life is violence against a God who loves you and bled and died for you. I must do violence to it. I want to hate my sin like God hates it. Y'all all right? Mortify, kill, put to death, slay, rid of all power. Your members which are upon the earth. What is that? This is His flesh. That is continuously against the Spirit within us. 
This is a command. It is in the imperative. It is a command to do. Now, remember, as we talked about, he has given us the indicatives to give us the power to do the imperatives. Right? He has said, this is who you are. Now, this is what you can do because of who you are and what you possess. So because today, and let me give you some hope today because y'all just look down. Let me help you out. You are risen with Christ. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. And when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Therefore, now you can kill that sin in your life. Amen. That's it. So where's, where's, where's the victory here? It's already given. Where's the power to fight sin? It's already given. And it's by looking not at how messy our lives are, not at how disobedient we can be, because that will only leave us astray and in the ditch, but by looking to Christ, to who He is, what He has done, and now who we are and what we have in Him. Because of the finished work of Calvary, because of the empty tomb, and because Christ now, who is risen, is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. Richard Baxter once wrote, and the longer you delay, the more your sin gets strength and rooting. If you cannot bend a twig, how will you be able to bend it when it is a tree? Can't. We can snap a twig, can't we? You know what I can't do? I can't bend a tree. And I don't care about how big and bad you think you are, Mr. Lumberjack. With your bare hands, you're not bending a tree. Let's put this thing spiritually. I don't care how long you've been saved, how much you think you know. You might have been saved longer than me. You might know more than me. And that's just fine. But there is not a one of us who know so much that we can let sin grow in our life and then defeat it. You can't do it. Sin will not show you mercy in battle, nor will it hesitate to destroy you. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, But every man when he is tempted, he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. No, the devil did not make you do it. God did not make you do it. You made you do it. You sinned because you wanted to sin. You sinned because you like sin. I sinned because I like sin. And that's not right, is it? He says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Notice this growing process. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Kill or be killed, dear child of God. Sin will kill and crush your fellowship, and we must not let it do so. Many of us are living defeated Christian lives because we've allowed not these gargantuan-sized sins into our life, but because we've allowed little sins to grow to be gargantuan. We've allowed little sins to get roots and to dig deep and now we're trying to kill sin by pulling off leaves when there's a twig that needs cracking, right? We need to break this thing. I don't need to box with it and punch it in the nose. I need to rip its head off. I'm trying to give you as much illustration as possible to help you understand the gravity of sin in our life. But to also show you that Christ has given us all that we need. If you're trying to kill sin and you're not in your Bible, you'll never kill sin. If you're trying to kill sin and you're not in church, if you're not worshiping, if you're not in communion with God, sin ain't going to be killed. 
If you're living closer to the world than you are to the Word, if you're living closer to yourself and your flesh than you are to the cross, sin won't be killed that way. Notice our identity, though. Our identity is one that is hidden and risen with Christ, not with sin in our old man. We see this in Romans 6. We see this all throughout the New Testament. We see it even here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 20. In whom also ye circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's an identification of faith. He says, then buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So even the sins that you're fighting today, God has given you victory and forgiveness over. Praise God for that. But you still must fight it. Though I have forgiveness for the sins I'm going to commit a month from now, I still need to fight. Though the sins that might come this afternoon, you say, preacher, you're going to sin this afternoon? Probably so. So will you. Unless I put off this flesh, I'm going to be at war today. Look here, he continues, he says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. We sung that earlier, praise the Lord. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink in respect of holiday or, or new moon or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in uh, voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, not having nourished, meant, ministered, and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, that is who we are. That is our identity. So if I identify with the indicatives, then I can identify with the imperatives. If I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the power that God has given to me now in Him, then I can have power over my sin. Let not evil, let not flesh, let not sin rule in your mortal body. We are free from it, not free to it. Sin must not be tolerated. Nor can it be ignored. Nor can it be swept under a rug and hope it goes away. Nor can it be underestimated. As the story goes, that there was a man who had been saved and he still, like the rest of us, struggled with sin. And he was one who had come to the altar and, and, and asked for prayer. And by the way, I encourage you to do so. That's the whole point of an altar call anyways. Come and let your burdens be, be shared. And he would come and he would pray and he would often pray, Lord, clean up the cobwebs in my life. The next week he'd come back and he'd be faithful in singing, faithful in giving. He'd be a good, faithful member. And he'd walk down the aisle again, come invitation and pray, Lord, clean the cobwebs in my life. Well, months go on and the pastor who had been there at the altar with him and praying for him finally goes down there with him and the man once more goes and prays, Lord, clean the cobwebs from my life. And the pastor at this point who's had enough, and he says, oh, ooh. says, Lord, kill the spider. You see, we have clean-up days and spring clean in our home and we clean up cobwebs and we'll dust once, twice a week. We'll vacuum the floors. And guess what? We've got to do it again, don't we? That's right. 
The reason why you got cobwebs ain't because cobwebs just magically get there. It's because you got a spider. There's a bigger problem than the ugly cobweb in the corner of your heart. And it's the spider that needs to be killed. We don't need cobwebs, but even more so, we don't need spiders. And with this, an unknown writer gave this short little poem to hopefully drive this home for you. They say, it is not enough to say to God, I'm sorry, I repent. And then to go on from day to day the way I always went. Are you cleaning cobwebs? Or are you killing spiders? Are you trying to chop trees? Or are you snapping twigs? One is a frustrated Christian life. The other one is one that is living in victory over the power of sin because it's living in the power of Christ and our position in Him that I'm dead, buried, and risen. R.M. Edgar wrote, The process of mortification, to mortify, is painful in the extreme. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind and heart cannot be mortified by magic. It is a slow undermining of the sinful nature, like the crucifixion of the body. It was not instant, it took time. But we must be prepared for it. And manfully must we sit like executioners beside our darling sins and nail them to Christ's cross. You must live at the cross. The closer you are to the cross, the closer you are to nailing that thing down. Christ did not die and raise up again to, give, and to offer you abundant life and eternal life just that way you would continue to wallow in sin or to be useless against its power. But no, He has given you power over your sin. Are you, killing, are you cleaning cobwebs or are you killing spiders? Are you chopping trees or are you snapping twigs? How long will we kill the cobwebs without killing the spider? How long will you try to chop the trees down when you could have snapped the twig? John Owen once famously wrote, Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Today, if you're not currently killing sin, I can tell you this, it's currently killing you. You might not see it, you might not feel it, you might not think it, but it is just as much at work. As the Spirit of God is at work within us, that flesh is also at work to derail our communion with Christ. Today, as we bring this to a close, let me ask you, are you relying upon your resources to kill sin? Or are you relying upon His that He's given? Christ has given us all that we need to kill sin. Let's all stand this morning. Brother Jay is going to come and lead us in an invitation hymn. We don't have piano today, but as we sing this hymn, this altar's open. If you need help, I'd love to come and pray, Lord, kill the spider in your life. We don't need cobwebs, but we even more so, we don't need those spiders. Would you come today? If you have a need, this altar's open. We're going to sing what hymn number? 488. Hymn number 488. Hymn number 488. Grab your hymn book, and as we sing, this altar's open for you.